you so much. And where we do not have an answer, we can take it to Jesus. He's the answer man. A big, a big welcome. And uh, it's such a joy for us to be able to uh, be sitting in a conference that is uh, not only giving us revelation, uh, but uh, I, I, there is a lot of impartation that is taking place. And I, I don't know why I've got this feeling that from uh, Leadership 2016, uh, th- there will be great stories uh, that will be told um, as a result of uh, uh, the, the, the happenings of these few days together. And I, one of the things I keep on telling my folk uh, at, at Kambake Christian Center, which is uh, the church that Fred and myself together with the teams are pastoring, is we keep on telling them that when you come, do not just bring your, thank you so much, do not bring your, uh, you know, your bodies alone, make sure that you bring your faith, uh, because God is a uh, attracted to faith and God is in the business of uh, all the time blessing our faith. So even as we look into um, how can we build well either in or for a season of expansion, I really want to believe with all my heart that uh, again as a result of this conference and as a result of our days together, I, I have got believe, I've got faith Uh, which we want to take back with us home and ask our many folk to be praying for the various countries that are represented and churches that God will allow you people to be able to pump into or to pump into suddenly a moment when all of a sudden there is an expansion of the gospel that in your own context, in your own cultures that God will uh, suddenly uh, be able to penetrate uh, in a phenomenal way but also in a divine way so that we can be able to all of a sudden begin to benefit from some of the, the seminars that we have. So uh, I want to begin by just some of the things I'm sharing with us are things that we've been able to pick over the years uh, of, of uh, uh, you know, Holy Spirit activity for, I don't know how many decades, I think four decades or so, of really being engaged with the Holy Spirit and uh, getting into some of the uh, some of the places that people think you cannot have you cannot have any penetration of the gospel in some of these cultures and you cannot be able to do something in this place but God in his own goodness has allowed us to uh, not only explore because um, our biggest heartbeat has been reaching the unreached people groups where, uh, where in the mid 90s um, when I was uh, a student in one of the universities in Kenya we did a survey uh, that was able to tell us uh, how many tribes we had then that had not had the opportunity of hearing the gospel. And uh, as a result of that, we have, uh, as, a, as a movement in Kenya, we've been able to, on top of the other things that we do, we've been able to say, look here, let's bring the gospel to these enriched people groups. So um, the things you hear are things that are proven, things that uh, part of our experience, and I believe, although my heart, just like Tobias said, uh, these are things that can be able to provoke faith. Uh, they can be able to help us when we suddenly find ourselves in a moment of expansion and growth uh, that has come our way, uh, not expected because of God's goodness. Suddenly, psh, something is happening as far as the gospel is concerned. Um, uh, when we suddenly, the, the grace of God comes upon us uh, for expansion and growth, uh, we, I want to begin by saying that uh, from my experience, I think it's very important to be extremely careful. It's very important to be extremely careful for the reasons that I'll say, I'll give 
in a short while because we have had uh, mighty visitations around the globe and uh, many other stories sometimes we hear of uh, people just pursuing the wave at the expense of some of the things that are supposed to be done and uh, uh, we've had bad stories for you hear of people uh, who have uh, tripped to an extreme uh, regarding this visitation regarding this revival regarding uh, this opening and uh, unfortunately some of the balances that are expected or some of the um, um, uh, check and balances that are supposed to be part of us as God's people who have got uh, the thinking of we have a, a life to live and we've, we, 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 we're not just following this wave because all of a sudden after the wave then Jesus appears but we do have our presence is needed I think it's very important to be able to make sure that we get, uh, we've, we become very careful that we get the balances of things correctly. I'm saying this because at any given time there is a mighty visitation of God upon his people from past experiences. You see people tripping over to an extreme that, and that extreme of wave or visitation upon his people. It would be extremely sad to imagine that since we didn't mind the right balances, uh, we begin to hear of cracks in our lives our ministry or mission as a result of not minding the balance or putting the first things first. So there's the, that element of making sure that we get the balances correct, but also uh, even as uh, there is this visitation that has come our way, there is this great move of God that has uh, come to us, uh, we make sure that uh, we're getting the balances correct, but also God is giving us the wisdom to be able to do first things first. So that we do not find ourselves, like I'm saying again, uh, with some of the things that I'll give as examples. Uh, for example, uh, if you look into uh, the early uh, the church, uh, you see that there was a, a moment when the church uh, entered into suddenly, after the, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the church found itself not only in a moment of the presence of the Holy Spirit, but you know, people are getting saved. We are hearing of 6,000, I mean 3,000 are getting saved and there is a lot that is happening as far as uh, people opening up to the gospel. The early church had just begun, has been baptized in the Holy Spirit and are enjoying the fresh feeling of power upon them, which suddenly has ushered in a much revival. Here is what the Bible records in Acts chapter number 6. In those days, uh, verse 6 and verses 1 to 4. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing. So you can, when you hear the numbers of disciples increasing, of course, what's happening? It's the expansion of the gospel. Uh, It's suddenly there is a, a, the grace of God has just come upon the early church. And uh, something that was not being seen is being witnessed. People are getting saved in big numbers. There was a phenomenon of expansion. Uh, the Bible says the Elinsic Jews among, the, among them complain against the uh, Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the distribution of food. So we can be able to see that this is a, an experience that we need to see, uh, which will uh, begin not long from now, begin to give ourselves some of the points that have helped us uh, as we see the various ways in which God has allowed the expansion of the gospel within our ministry. And some of the points that we felt during such moments have helped us. So the, this early church is suddenly, uh, something has been ignored from the word go. And there is this growth that is coming upon their way. And unfortunately, uh, something that should have been part of the early church as the expansion is taking place, 
is not in place and therefore there is dispute and complaint from uh, among the, the ladies and the, the, way, the way the food was being uh, distributed. Verse 2, so the 12 gathered all the disciples together. You can imagine what's happening, an interruption of that expansion. They have to say, look here, oi brothers, we have a problem. We have a problem. They had to stop uh, the, the, the expansion and the move to be able to think together because it says it's, uh, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry that should not be coming now that should have come when uh, if uh, they had sat down like we are sitting down they should have been able to see that wait a minute even as we begin to see the various ways in which God will allow the, mov- the, the movement and the advancement of uh, the gospel we need to take care that there is nothing that is not considered that would affect that move it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give attention to prayer and the expansion of the gospel or the ministry. The other verse that I would also want to give us as examples to help you appreciate the reason why it is important for us to be able to uh, get the right balances and make sure also that uh, first things come first, even in the midst of a mighty visitation of God's spirit or an opening where all of a sudden you're beginning to see people getting saved in big numbers. If you look, for example, in 1 Galatians chapter number 3, Uh, Beginning from verses number 1 to 3, you'll notice, again, Paul is bringing out another element of some things that were overlooked somewhere. And then you can see what is happening. He's saying, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you've heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? This one we can be able to say that I think the imbalance here was a a lack of proper teaching. An imbalance here at a a moment when there is an expansion of the gospel. We can also say the first thing should have been the right doctrine. So these people, this situation is causing Paul and the early believers who are pushing the, the agenda of God in terms of the gospel to great heights, but suddenly imbalance of the gospel, I mean balance of the doctrine and right teaching is causing uh, a problem in this particular church. These are just examples. I can give several examples that show me and show you the reason why it is important that uh, when we are saying that suddenly we have uh, the goodness of God, the heavens have opened up and that the light of God is upon us in terms of the advancement of the gospel for us to be able to uh, make sure that we do not uh, ignore some of the things that I'm sharing with us uh, this afternoon. Getting the balance right and making sure uh, first things are always happening is extremely important. We must never allow to get mixed up when we suddenly find ourselves in the season of a gospel expansion. And I believe this is a seminar is geared towards something like that. From some of us who have had the, the grace to be able to see, like I said again, several decades of great moments of uh, expansion of the gospel in various whether it is to do with ministry among the young people in schools, colleges, universities, whether it's to do with the enriched people groups, 
whether it's to do with the mega crusades that we hold and bring into the stadiums thousands of people I mean whichever way uh, that God allows us as a movement of churches to find ourselves entering into a, a season suddenly where there is an expansion of the gospel I really would want to say that the will of God is for us to be able to make sure we don't get mixed up we, we have stories again and this is uh, true of Africa it's true of everywhere we have many people that are missing the way because someone is simply saying I'm following the spirit and uh, they either neglect their families they either neglect uh, doing what is supposed to be done in the name of obeying God and following uh, what the spirit is saying and so these are this is what this uh, seminar is uh, uh, geared towards we must never allow getting mixed up and I really want to say that brothers and sisters in your respective countries in your respective churches suddenly you find yourself in the midst of uh, the goodness of God upon yourselves in terms of the gospel expansion I beg you like Paul would beg people in the room I beg you by the mass of do not allow getting mixed up we don't want to imagine that even after because you know sometimes we also need to know that these seasons is a season and the possibility are there for we um, in the uh, early in the 80s we found as our church was starting started it was during a mighty revival but we're not in revival at the moment and that season is gone and so we don't want to imagine that because a wave of God has come and then the wave the season will be over but unfortunately some of the things you hear as a result of that moment saddens your heart when you hear that maybe uh, this family uh, they you know neglected each other this person missed the way because of suddenly following this move I think that would be extremely extremely sad uh, I would want to help us some of the things that have really helped us I would want to suggest about 10 points 10 or 11 points that I would want you to capture with your hearts but if possible also you could write them down I think one of the things that has helped us so much uh, during uh, after during and even uh, uh, during and after an, an, an explosion of the gospel it's is a making prayer as a way of life this is a this is a, the beginning of things and this has been to me uh, we because you see if you look into the early church what, what do you see you see the early church knew that there is no way they will have an, exp an expansion of the gospel without first of all asking God for it so we we are hearing of the early church before they found themselves in a moment of great uh, move of God or revival or whatever you, you want to call it that they would spend their times praying they were found praying and I really want to say this that uh, we've got to see prayer as part of us even with other very important points that I'll give us this remains central this remains the most important because prayer is a is a expressed before uh, experiencing gospel expansion uh, like I said this is where we find the early church crying to God for growth and expansion in the work of the gospel there's there I mean if you look in the early verses chapters of the Acts you find them gathering and crying to God and saying stretch your hand and do things and suddenly because they had made prayer part of their life and that is the reason why I'm also getting excited when I hear about enough which 
this time, I mean this year, we had Kenyans also joining in and we were all praying together. I think when we make prayer part of our life, it will uh, help us so much because we are seeking God even before uh, this thing that we are longing for, even before an expansion of the gospel in this city, in this neighborhood, in this particular situation. But it's also prayer, like I said, prayer as a way of life, even during moments of expansion, as we seek God for wisdom and strategies, even when we have to send out teams into missions such as MOVE is birthed during moments of prayer. And you'll find that even when they found themselves, the early church found themselves, that suddenly they are in the midst of an expansion of the gospel. Uh, they, you don't find them just uh, simply because they've got brothers in the room saying, let's send so-and-so there. The Bible says, as they prayed and waited on the Lord, the Holy Spirit would say, separate for me Paul and Barnabas. And, and therefore, it is, you find that prayer becoming part of us before and even during the time of that expansion. Because we don't want, it is the heartbeat, we don't want to miss what God is saying, even as we carry on in this amazing feeling that has come to us. This opening, we want to be guided, we want to be given wisdom by God uh, to be able to help us in such moments of uh, mighty visitation. Uh, but uh, like I saying, I, and I really want to put this as a very strong emphasis, I am saying making prayer a way of life. I really want that to, I want you to hear that with your spirit, with your mind, with your life. God wants us to make prayer to become part of our lives. We, we, I'm saying that because I am seeing a situation that is coming our way, the, today's Christianity, uh, because of the nature of work, the nature of the many things that are with us, and some of the things that we find ourselves into. Uh, they, they, we are slowly but very surely uh, neglecting prayer in our lives. And I would like to call upon local churches, believers, and every one of us to be to make prayer, make prayer uh, a part of your life. Jesus' uh, ministry was pushed because of the time he spent with the Father. The, the ministry of Jesus, whether it's to do with the appointment of the people that would join his team, whether it was to do with, um, you know, making sure that the ministry is healthy and strong. He, this man Jesus, made prayer a part of his life. And number two, uh, I see from our own situations, and even with the early church, and I see this, there is a correspondence of uh, during moments of <clears throat> expansion of the gospel, that one of the areas the church, the early church, and our even in our own settings, we have not neglected is making sure that our we have healthy and strong families and homes. This, this, this uh, when we've got this second point strong and solid, I tell you, it's good news because, for example, if you look in the early church, you'll find that they're saying from house to house. There is a mention that the gospel is advancing, and all of a sudden there is mention of from house to house or from home to home. You hear that homes featured a lot during the expansion of the gospel in the early church. And I really want to say, you know, like in Africa, we've got the African way of life, whereby uh, our homes have become, uh, if, uh, we really, if, if uh, the West can be able to learn something from us, is uh, the African socialism, the African way of life, where, where we, we 
we, we just, we are, our homes are hospitable. We open our homes. And that, that has been a, a big blessing because through that, the kingdom of God is able to advance. And I, I don't know why I feel that in these last days, these days like Tom was speaking to us, that all of a sudden, because the early church grew amazingly because of homes, families opened up their homes. And why I'm hearing this afternoon is like God would speak to us that, yes, this is a value that we've seen back in our setting working. But I, it's like I'm hearing God once again saying that let's invest in our homes. Let's invest in our families. Let that priority, uh, let's not ignore that priority because we are busy in the ministry. Let's not ignore our homes. Let's not ignore our families because I am busy serving the Lord far away. They, they, they were very careful that they made sure that they had healthy families. They had healthy homes. From house to house, from home to home, they met with glad and sincere hearts, breaking bread and sharing rich fellowship. But also, again, thinking about families and thinking about uh, the whole setup of family, you find suddenly the mention that the gospel is advancing and the name Aquila and Priscilla mentioned. A couple, a couple is that is healthy, a couple that is, uh, uh, has a respect for whom they are in God. And suddenly they are helping, they are hoping to nurture people like Paul. They, they have opened up their home and Paul is uh, uh, being able to come into the home of Priscilla and Quilla, uh, get nurtured so that he can keep on advancing the work of the gospel. And I, I really want to say that second point from prayer, our homes must be healthy. Our families must be healthy. This is the will of God concerning us. And we cannot, we cannot, and I want to say we cannot neglect our families. We cannot neglect our homes simply because we are busy following the wind of revival. We don't want, when the, re, the wind of revival, when that season is over, you look back and you've got nothing at home. Because you became busy in the work of the Lord neglecting your home, neglecting your family. Joshua says something very important because that was also another type of expansion. They have just left uh, Egypt. Moses has been able to bring deliverance. His time of leadership is over. Joshua has taken over. And I, one of the things that captures me is uh, uh, when Joshua says that, uh, Joshua makes this statement. Well, he's challenging Israel in a time of advancement and he's, he's calling upon them because they've become so divided and mixed up along the way and uh, he's almost asking them who are you going to serve and Joshua speaks on behalf of his family and he says but as for me and my family we shall serve the Lord I, as I stand here this afternoon to you brothers and sisters and uh, many people that may be able to pick us online we must never lose our homes or families during a season of gospel expansion. We must never. The, the biggest desire, even as I speak that way, is uh, we long to see the gospel advancing. How wonderful it is when it touches our sons and daughters. How wonderful it is when it touches our families. How wonderful it is when we pray, and even as we are trusting God to see the advancement of the gospel, that we are begging God to touch our brothers and sisters. We are asking God to remember us, because we don't want to um, just imagine others 
are getting to know the Lord Jesus through our endeavors and through our efforts and our own family members do not have faith in Jesus. Joshua says, I and my family, we shall serve the Lord. Uh, number three, we have also done something else which has helped us, and that is what I'm calling in this particular point, intentional mission targets. I think it's good uh, because at the end of the day, as much as uh, uh, the following number, which is, I mean, uh, number five or number four, uh, uh, number number three, we will be talking about those uh, promptings of the Holy Spirit. It is very important to be intentional. It's very important. Because when we become intentional, it helps us to plan. It helps us to cast a vision about a certain area. I mean, at the moment, as I speak with you, uh, we have uh, uh, intentionally targeted a place called Kitui in Kenya. And this is an unreached people group. And in the next three years, our, our target is to have 90 churches in this area. It's to preach the gospel in this area. And I speak with you, we've got brothers and sisters right now engaged in what we are calling Okitui for Jesus. And that's an intentional. We have intentionally, this is nothing to do with spontaneity. We have a, in our mission, our general mission outreach, we felt God speaking to us, let's target Kitui. Uh, because other parts of the country have had the gospel for many, many times. So we feel this is the time for what? Uh, Kitui to hear the gospel. And so we have uh, the, the principal working is uh, we, we went there, Fred and myself and some of the teams, and I think even some of the Kenyans I can see here joined us. And we went there and we were able to pick on, uh, because God spoke to me about 30 mighty men of David, that through 30 mighty men of David, each one of, each one of them having their own teams to target, intensive target of this place so that we, in the next three years, we can be able to say over 6,000 born again and 90 churches planted. So it's very important to be intentional, to spend time with the leaderships and just be intentional, just be able to say, we feel the next three years, this is our target. This is what God is speaking to us so that uh, uh, that also becomes part of helping uh, a local church, helping an individual, helping a movement to be able to evaluate along the year and see the progress regarding uh, the targets. Uh, intentional missions is very good because, like I said, that will call for proper planning. And it's brilliant. It's beautiful. But also, number three, it's being sensitive to the Holy Spirit promptings. And this has been, a, I can be able to say that most of our churches have been as a result of this prompting. We have had either students who are uh, students nearby. We've got colleges. We've got schools who join Comeback Christian Center. And I, we normally see that one as the Macedonian call. It's not something that was in our horizon. It's not something that was in our radar. But suddenly there is this prompting. God just puts a people group in your heart. God puts a nation in your heart. And you'll find yourself beginning to think and to pray around that particular nation. And we don't want to be ignorant about that because there will be moments when in prayer, point number one, when we are seeking God, all of a sudden we will find ourselves being led by God to certain areas or certain people groups. And this is uh, something we've been able to see working for us. Uh, but also this uh, uh, point number three about prompting of the Holy Spirit. We have also seen our churches increasing in number. 
uh, because of our TV program. It's not something we planned. Somebody, some people far away watching us one morning on TV because we've got, God has given us the platform for the last 20 years of broadcasting or our, our, our uh, preaching and uh, services. And suddenly a prompting. And we find ourselves in some of these places. So this has been a, a something that has helped us a lot uh, in terms of uh, making sure that we are reaching certain peoples and peop- areas as God has prompted us through the Holy Spirit. But number four, uh, this is very important, is clear vision that is sellable. I'm calling it that way. It, it is important to have, you know, sometimes you can have a vision, but you can't sell it. It's not sellable. People cannot identify with that vision. It is a wonderful missional vision. But unfortunately, people cannot connect with it. Uh, because of the, the nature, the way it is set. I believe with all my heart, I was just talking to a young couple today, lovely. And it's fantastic because I love sitting with such people with burning passion for uh, the continent of Africa. And it's fantastic because you can hear the heartbeat of this couple. And then we are able, as we shape them, we are able to say, I love your vision, but begin somewhere. Make, make the vision, narrow the vision to Jerusalem so that people can be able to embrace uh, that vision. It's great having a vision which it says that North Europe, fine, but what do you mean by that? What exactly do you mean by that? When you say we have a vision for UK, fine, that's fantastic. But what do you mean by that? Because UK is big. It's a, it's a country with over 60 million people, I think. And so when, when you say, a local church is saying, we have a vision for UK, that's fantastic. But what do you mean? Because uh, that's, that is not sellable. You've got to break it to a way that people can be able to connect with that vision. And this has been, and this is, in fact, I can be able to say that is one of my biggest strength. I am, I love vision, I'm so visionary, and uh, uh, even when God gives me these visions, uh, the, the, I share them with Frida, and then from there, of course, it goes to my office and the other teams. They are able to say, it doesn't take me long, every time because over the years, I've learned this, it doesn't take long, and I, I love it very much when I share my vision, the vision that God has given me, and I see the nodding in the room. I love it because I, it's just telling me that these people have sold, they have, they have bought into the vision. These people have understood what uh, you're saying. And I, I want to say that uh, if, once we've been able to, uh, the whole thing regarding the expansion of the gospel as vision, and once we've been able to do that, let's not get tired coming back and reminding people time and again. Yeah, very important. We need to have moments uh, because one of the things we've got to be very careful about, even when we are dealing with a society like this one, which is at the moment there is the joy of seeing different cultures opening up the gospel and joining uh, churches, and therefore you come in a church and you find uh, this is a mixed congregation. That's wonderful. The church must be very careful that they are not celebrating every Sunday. We must be very careful because. Uh, we need, the only time we need to be celebrating is the, the different cultures that are in your church are infiltrating or they are, you know, they are beginning to allow the, pe- the people they come from to know Jesus. That is now when we need to celebrate. Otherwise, we could have all the flags in a local church on a Sunday and it's celebration after celebration every Sunday, but the impact is not being felt. 
So, so we need to come back time and again and remind our people. I'm getting excited now. I love speaking about vision. We, we need to remind people because possibilities are there for people to do what? To forget. And possibilities are for there for people even to dislodge despite the fact that there is a, the beauty of the vision that we are carrying. <clears throat> Number five, this is very important, is establishing good structures and administration systems. Good structures. I, I really want to say the reason why the early church suffered, and not once, twice, they suffered on two occasions. The reason why deacons are being appointed is to take care of the administration uh, burden. And the reason why the widows are complaining is because there was lack of administration. There was lack of structure. Don't forget my introduction. I said we need the balance and we need to be doing the fasting fasts even in a moment of gospel expansion. In Africa, we have a big problem uh, because um, I, I remember doing, going to the university to, to study some uh, business administration. And some of the other pastors began to speak things like, Edward has lost it. Edward has missed it. Because to them they think, no, everything is spiritual. You've got the Holy Spirit, you've got everything. But that's not the case. That's not the case. Even when God placed Adam and Eve in the chamber of Eden, God said, tend, take care. It is your responsibility to beautify the land. There's a beautiful, it's your own responsibility. So many times, one of, some of the things I admire about you guys when I come to this country or go to some of the other Western nations, one of the things that I, captures me is the organization, the infrastructure. It's incredible. It's amazing. Uh, just the other day, uh, Toby and Jean dropping us at the station, uh, rail station to go and be with Mike. And... Uh, the train is, is told will be here by this time. Because the infrastructure allows that, what happens? At that time, I see this train beginning to check in. And I'm, wow, this is amazing. Because, I mean, I take you in some of our African roads, and we have some stories uh, that we'll be talking. <laughs> we've got our bumps, we've got our potholes, we've got, there is lack of infrastructure, there's, there is lack of organization. And so, uh, this is where, um, I have been blessed immensely. I've got a lady there, she's called Miriam. She's uh, my PA, and she's incredible because she heads up all the admin that comes under this man. And sh she manages, and it's, we're talking of hun hundreds of churches and thousands of people, and a vision that stretches itself in Kenya and beyond. But do you know what? Apostolic administration is an amazing blessing. It's an amazing blessing. And it is very important, my brothers and sisters, to be able to make sure, yes, we have the gospel. God has come in because we are praying even as we're sitting here. I am just praying for revival for your countries. I'm praying for revival in your churches and I'm asking God, God, come in power. I am. I am praying for that. But even when God comes... Let's remember some of the things I'm sharing here. We don't, want, we don't want to get mixed up and we are lost and it's like God is wondering, are these people willing, waiting for a visitation really? The early church, the move, they were, they halted the move because administration was not in place. 
And they had to sit down asking, where did we go wrong? And someone is saying, it's because we do not ha uh, have people to do the table work, to do the administration work. And we keep on pushing the agenda of the gospel. We need to establish good structures and administration to avoid the early church. Like you can see, the early church was carried away by the waves of the Holy Spirit until they hit a big administrative problem. Then they realized the need for administration and proper structures. And number six, I love this one. This is a, another area which I drive in, and that is a raising and continuous training and releasing of leaders. We need, there will never be a time when we will have, I don't know any movement that can be able to say, we don't need new leaders. I, I would be so surprised if I come across anybody saying, we don't need more leaders. Because, I mean, like the statement, I think it was Tom this morning making, that the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. And so, even Jesus himself was being, was what, he found himself having a problem, similar to the problem we have today. Uh, because even some of the, uh, you can imagine, uh, when he was thinking to himself, at least now I've got 82 that I can be able to re release, and he made one single statement, and 70 left him. And he was left, he went back again to almost the, the, just the core of 12 people. There is, we've got again, just like I said at some point, intentional. We've got to be intentional in training and releasing of leaders. And uh, watching some of the DVDs and some of the videos that are coming through, I have loved so much uh, even the, the ID, idea. It's fantastic. And tomorrow we'll be getting an opportunity to give. Uh, the giving will come after I have spoken. I really want us to give like we've never given before. Because it's worthy investing your money to something that you can see. And something that you believe in. And when I see the intentional training of leaders, where there is that continuous training of leaders, this is something that excites my heart because you see even Paul himself is telling Timothy, Timothy, I have trained you and I've released, I've, rela I've, I've raised you, I've trained you and I've released you. And therefore, the things you have learned from me Commit these things to other people. In other words, train others and release others. I really want to say this, uh, even as we were praying for the evangelists this morning. We need so many evangelists. We need, we need, our world is waiting to hear the good news. And therefore, we need to see uh, many people being trained and released. Jesus trained and released teams for the expansion of the gospel. You can see he's training them. And what happens? The Bible says, and he sent them in twos, in pairs, with the instructions, go and preach the gospel. As we long for the expansion of the gospel, it is not without the training, identifying, raising, training, and releasing of teams to go and do the work of the gospel. Number seven, uh, I will be finishing in a short while so that we can get into a moment where we can engage a bit and we can uh, talk a little bit. Frida can also contribute whatever she feels she wants to contribute uh, because she has been part of all the things I'm saying. She has been able to, I mean, uh, see from the word go when we had only one church and now it's a massive movement in the country and many other countries in Africa. 
But number, number seven is very, very important. Is what I'm calling building right mission attitude. I'm saying that because uh, I see something which even at the moment with the, what we're calling spears, there is a, okay, we, we are still learning, but there's some things out of this point that I would like to see other spheres learning. We're not in competition. We're not in competition. We're not trying to outdo one another. We have the grace to do what we can only do. And even Jesus himself, uh, when his disciples came back, because you see, their disciples had a problem with their attitude on mission. They found some people preaching and even casting out demons. And they came back <clears throat> thinking what they're telling Jesus, Jesus would clap his hands and tell them, well done. Because they simply said, Jesus, you know what? Okay, we went out preaching the gospels, casting out demons and everything was happening. But we also found some other people who are preaching in your name and they're not part of us and we stopped them. And we stopped them. We're not, competi we're not competing. I feel sad. It breaks my heart when I hear of uh, sometimes because of this wrong mission or attitude. Uh, either uh, spheres running away after churches and doing crazy things. It's not godly. No. We're not... Not in competition at all. We're just doing what the grace of God has enabled us to do. It, I, I, I was even telling some people that uh, I don't see the reason why, okay, I'm an apostle who has got a sphere, but you'll be surprised to hear me say this today. Uh, I am not interested in coming to uh, half churches aligned to Edward Buria in UK because we've got apostles in UK who can do the job. It's very important to get Let's get the right attitude about missions. May God help us in this one. This is a big, and I have been able to tell our friends that are part of our mission, our ministry. I tell them, as you go in the field preaching the gospel and you find others preaching the gospel, bless them. Because what they're doing, we can't do. Frida has a, a repetition among us. She every time tells the many hundreds of pastors who are part of our movement that what you brothers are doing we cannot be able to do. Uh, is appreciating one another. Appreciating that the world is big. We're just faithfully giving our contribution in terms of winning souls and making disciples. Right missional attitude. Um, number eight, and this is uh, something that is uh, very well known about I don't think you can, number eight, you cannot think about it and not see Edwin and Frida. It's empowering the poor and encouraging of tent making. It's, we, we have, we believe it's part of our purpose, eternal purpose, and we, we've never complained why does God allow us to, every now and then, uh, finding ourselves dealing with crisis after crisis, uh, having to raise communities that are marginalized, giving them dignity, hard work. But we believe it's part of our calling, and we do it so gladly. But I, I see, uh, you see the early church, you hear of uh, how they would bring their resources at the feet of the, of the apostles. The intention was to empower everybody so that there is uh, equitable, there is equity among the body of Christ. 
And even Paul is talking about it in Corinthians and other places. And even the various givings that were being given. Paul is making an appeal for a gift. Uh, he's making an appeal for a gift so that he, that gift can go somewhere and empower God's people. There is no way we can say, you know, there are some people who have uh, done a mistake. Because that's a, another balance that we see, wrong balance. You find that people are saying, don't mind about everything else, just mind about the spirit. But we, we also need to mind about everything else because this human being is a composure of many things. You can just say, get saved, have your sins forgiven, have your name written in the book of the Lamb. Just keep your ticket first class ready for heaven. You can do that. You, they've got a life to live. And they are facing issues. So empowering, Jesus would, even after preaching to the people, he does not tell them, God bless you, I preach to you and one of the best messages, go home. He tells the disciples, let the people sit down, give them something to eat. So empowering of uh, the poor and uh, creation of tent making. We, I'm saying these things because um, some of the points that I'm sharing with you are to do with an African context. And poverty is a big issue in our continent. And it's not something you can ignore. It's something that needs to be addressed and solution uh, gotten. Number nine, uh, time is not on my side. Uh, I've got to uh, finish in a short while so that we can allow uh, an, an opportunity of engagement. Is establishing strong apostolic basis and making sure local churches are healthy. We must, this is a extremely important, brothers and sisters. We cannot just pursue this expansion. We cannot just pursue this revival. And our churches are unhealthy. Or there is no apostolic basis, apostolic base that will be able to cater for issues of authority, issues to do with doctrine and everything else. We've got to make sure. A balance again. I said making sure that we get the right balance. That there is... Because these, are, these things... This, I love this seminar so much because I have seen moments of revival... And I have seen uh, people chasing after the experience, not even ch- looking, does, is it conforming with the, doc- with the doctrine of the Bible? And people are just, I mean, the euphoria of the experience. And when I saying that, please do not get me wrong, but uh, I'm just going back into the 90s, the Torontos and the Argentina and uh, the... The revival of the laughter and the many other revivals that have come and the revival of the feeling of the teeth with the gold and I mean all these revivals. You find people would chase after the experience. No one is asking, by the way, is it in conformity with the scripture? Does it agree with the scripture? Because at the end of the day, you can now, you can now see uh, the season of laughter that, that because it was a uh, Wow, a wonderful wave. We'll just come into the presence of God and nothing is happening and we are all laughing. <laughs> and goes on and it's a wave. It's beautiful. But wait a minute, it's gone. And we need to be asking, uh, yeah, that has gone. How is my local church? How is the, the base that controls things for us in terms of our apostolic push? So, so um, we've got to make sure that we establish strong apostolic bases and making sure local churches remain healthy. But number 10, and this is very important, 
And then I'll finish up with number 11 is sufficient resources. Sufficient resources. There is no way, and I really want to say that very strongly, loud and clear. There's no way we will think about the gospel expansion without thinking about resources. Resources either human and otherwise. We will need resources. There's no way we can be able to send teams to uh, up north of this country without resources. There's no way we can be able to buy that property without resources. There's no way we can be able to have a supportive team that is helping us in terms of administration without resources. There's no way we can empower the poor without resources. Resources will be needed. Resources will be needed. Resources will be needed. The early church, uh, they were able, excuse me, they were able to bring their stuff at the feet of the apostles, sell, sell lands and other things so that the gospel does not suffer in terms of resources. At the moment, um, I, I am a, a bit, what can I say, I struggle a little bit with us Christians because sometimes we are mean and you find there are some people I know uh, who are of different faiths and they will go to whatever extent to support the progression of their faith. And I think, I think it was last night, Mike mentioning the, the problem, that the, the, the Chinese, I think it was something to do with Chinese brothers or saying how they, they don't care prisons, they don't care persecution and everything else. What they fear is the materialism. And you can see it. This is a, a society, this is a, a society where even as we're sitting here, your scientists behind the scenes are thinking about what is the next product for tomorrow so that they can sell it. Yeah, they're, they're around the clock they're doing, nothing else is going on. So, so that it becomes, the, the, the society is trapped into consumerism. Becomes, uh, we went with Frida, I think it was Glasgow. And that was a, a moment I'll never forget. It was on a Saturday afternoon and I was absolutely shocked to see tens of thousands of people and all of them doing nothing else going to the shops and in one of the high streets I literally felt like I was there because it was so many people that you would be just like in a place that we went with freedom place called Accra in Ghana and this is another place where you've got to be careful because if you put your hands in the pocket and you're trapped by the crowds, you're in trouble because you're all moving. You can't even remove your um, hands from your pocket. That's so many people. And I, I, I looked, I remember standing in one of the places and I watched Glasgow and I'm just, oh my goodness. It's like a sea of humanity. And when I talked to my friend, he said, they are all going to the shops thinking oh it's a culture of consumerism we've got to make sure that the church and the work of the gospel does not suffer when it comes to provision of resources and finally uh, decided to put this being the right one because it's just like prayer on top I also wanted to put this as the right one uh, in terms of what we have done for our people back in Africa is that right teachings and a doctrine it's making sure it's the balance of uh, because the poor suffered a lot because of wrong doctrines. That you find that the churches had wrong doctrines, and it's wrong doctrines come in because there's no right teaching. And I think 
even as uh, God allows us to get into moments of great uh, opportunities of gospel and everything else. Uh, when you think of uh, like Paul, I think it's Paul uh, at Ephesus, you find that Paul would even spend three years in a place, in a school called Trainers, and what he was doing, nothing else, is provision of good teachings and right doctrine. Three, a space of three years, engaging with the new disciples to make sure that they have a good foundation. Making sure that these people, even as the progression of the gospel is with them, that they are not uh, like what we have uh, in some of the African uh, situations. I sometimes struggle a lot because I see some churches which should not in the first place, plus first place be churches. You, you find a lot of shallowness. You just see this is a, the reason why this, these people are idolizing this man of God is because unfortunately they've got wrong teaching. And that is all what they've had all through. So what do they do? They almost worship this man. Or they just shout from the beginning to the very end of the service and then you're left asking this question, what did they hear? Yeah, because it's been shouting from the beginning until the service has come to the end. And it's fire, 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 fire. And you wonder what fire. You don't see it, where it's coming from, where is it going, but it's fire, that side, fire, the other side. And people are screaming and shouting and everything else. So we've got to be committed. Uh, you know, one of the pillars in the early church, the Bible says that there were four pillars. Uh, they were devoted to, to teaching doctrine. Okay? They were devoted to, to the right doctrine. And we've got to make sure that that is not ignored uh, because simply a moment of revival has come. That is not ignored because sub- suddenly we are on mission. We are, the church is on mission. So forget about that. Brother, that is making us to feel a bit cold. No. Let's take time and teach and provide right teaching to the people of God. I've served you. And thank you. asking how does it look like and I'll tell you how gospel expansion looks like let's open our Bibles very quickly or I can just read or just put this uh, portion of scripture in the book of Mark chapter number four starting from verse number 30 again he said what shall we say the kingdom of God is like what shall we say this gospel expansion looks like? Or what, or, or what parable shall we use to describe it? How can we describe this gospel expansion? The Bible says, it is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and it becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the bands of the air can punch in its shade. So when we talk about gospel expansion, 
it is also expanding the kingdom of God. And one of the ways that I can surely tell you is that um, when we are doing mission work, when we are extending the kingdom of God, we should tell ourselves it is a kingdom like any other kingdom. We see the kingdoms of the world and the, the way they do their things. And of course, every kingdom wants to be noticed. We also need to expand the kingdom of God in such a way that the people will feel surely here is a kingdom that has got authority, a kingdom that has got power, a kingdom that people won't feel ashamed of. We, we are the people who should be in such a position to extend the kingdom of God, to expand this gospel until it has got effects. People can feel it. People can sense. Surely there is something here. So the, king, the, the gospel expansion can be equated to the expansion of the kingdom of God. So as we finish with that, maybe... The other thing that I can surely tell you is that as we expand the kingdom of God or gospel expansion in Africa, that is our mission where we are with, it's an expansion that has got authority, an expansion that even speaks until even the government of the day gets to realize surely something is here because we should not act in a way where it's like we are putting the gospel into shame. You know, there are ways we would expand this kingdom of God or expand the gospel until people feel "Mm, we have nothing to do with this. It's working in a way where people will feel we want to be part of what is happening here. And so maybe as we reach there, what question would you want to ask us? Because in as much as Edward has spoken like that, practically we are involved in so many other things that... um, If you asked us a question, we could be able to answer. If there is any question that you feel you want to to ask. Yes, please. Yes, I think, I think uh, uh, in, in when uh, you suffer, it's never given a situation uh, where God allows the that kind of an expansion. I want to believe, it's just like in the mission, you find that people will grow with what is happening. And uh, if the leadership is uh, keenly enough, uh, it's not long before you begin to identify some of the people amongst this thing that is happening that needs to be drawn aside and are helped and assisted to help things out. Number two, uh, I think it's, for example, like ourselves, we come from situations where we do have even churches that have been planted by women. I want that to sink. Because the cultures of some of these unreached people groups do not allow their men to be the first contact. You can only make contact with their women. And after their women, their children. And that goes on for a long time before you see the first man appearing. 
and this goes on and on. So, so I think it is important, even within a New Testament context, uh, to be able to be knowing that there are certain cultures that uh, will not be the way uh, we know. Uh, that there are some cultures that will, uh, because some of these places I'm talking about, for example, in Samburu and other places where it's extremely remote and everything else. We have seen beautiful congregations converging. The gospel has been preached and brought to their people by women. And we 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 use we use what God has given us and uh, trust Him at some point to be able to give us uh, male as the elders so that they can be able to take the work of the gospel further. We we very much committed to uh, the male leadership. Uh, but in some of these cultures, that's the way it was. So, I would say two things. Number one is, in every context, God will uh, show you people that are showing desire and passion uh, to be able, not running before, but then you just notice. You see, like in our context, we see that sister just got saved the day, or that brother, and he's loving. He is just leading the choruses here. What is God telling us? God is telling us there is something in that brother Nazareth, and we see not long, you find uh, that he becomes very useful in making sure that things carry on. Yes, thank you, Judy. Yes. I wanted to ask how important for you is, uh, in, thank you, how important is uh, the building of a team for you in terms of leading your, uh, your many churches? Uh, you complement one another clearly, but uh, there are others like Miriam who are involved and others that we haven't seen yet. Yes, sir. So, uh, yes. Okay. I'm very, very passionate about that. Maybe one of the things that I can clearly tell you here is um, about the mission that we are involved in and with. It is started with, with Edward. And of course, he made me to come in. And uh, one of the things that I normally say almost every other time is that uh, when people catch the vision of that one person and they are baptized into that vision and they are able to run with the vision. And that's the reason why you hear him say many times that the churches will be planted almost every other day we are hearing reports of a church has been planted not because Edward has been directly involved, but it is because people have caught the vision, they have been baptized into the vision, and they are running with the vision. And that is the most important thing. But the other thing is also to release teams, whereby people are feeling here we are not threatened, we are not um, oppressed, it's, we are freedom. Let me talk of the word freedom. When people work in a situation where they feel there is freedom, there is freedom to serve God, there, there is freedom to express themselves, there is freedom to bring in their, their inputs, and I am telling you, you will find that something like that will grow from strength to strength because teams have been released, teams that are feeding, we also can contribute to something. But of course, not allowing them to, to do their thing. There are those checks and imbalances that Edward was talking about. Is that clear? Yeah, let me add Good. something else. 
And again, like I said, as part of the intention, becoming intentional, I think we've created forums and uh, forums that keep on all the time training. We yeah. all the time training leaders because the various uh, programs in place uh, that are all the time, around the year, there is training that is taking place and, and that's helping us. But also in these uh, two bases where we've, we've got this apostolic basis, we allow the brothers, because at the moment one of the things that is happening with us also in the country, uh, because of this growth that is just phenomenal, we are thinking of creating spheres within the country and allowing some of the brothers that have clearly shown that they've got the apostolic anointing to run the show. And so the, even the business themselves are helping with the training. So, so around the year, there is plenty of training taking place. spoke about um, home life and that being important, especially after revival has been gone, that actually you want to have a, a home and a family that are in a good place. Can you share about some of the things that you've, you know, you've got four kids and how you've raised them? And, uh, Free that more <laughs> We have four children, that is uh, two girls and two boys. And um, one of the things that I can say about us as a family is from the word go, we felt we wanted to be a family on a mission together. But one of the things that we have noticed um, destroys especially children of either church leaders is when there is legalism. In Africa, we have a lot of legalism that was, sorry to say, that came with the first missionaries that brought the gospel to us. So when these children see that uh, what our parents are at home is not what they are in church or outside, of course, children learn a lot. So that makes them to feel that is kind of like a cheat here. And so we tried very much by the grace given to us by God to be able to bring up children who knew about God, not because we were forcing them into it, but because they clearly saw that uh, there is something real here. I remember our um, last born one time when he was three years old, one, one pastor came and asked him, who is God? And to him, dad is God. Because everything about what he saw in, in his dad was like God. And that clearly showed us that the children need to grow in an environment where they are seeing what you are saying is what you are doing. And that way they have grown. We can tell you our children up to this time, they are serving God's purposes. In, an, in their different um, fields. They are all married now. We are um, grandparents of five uh, grandchildren, and we are excited about, about that. They are so empowered because that's another thing we felt as we serve the church and uh, uh, as we serve God, we don't have to neglect our children. I, I can tell you, 
in as much as we have been quite busy in the in the mission field we never neglected if it's parents days in their schools if it's visiting days every time our children needed us we were there to support them all through all through and uh, today they are all empowered we our two girls um have um first second degrees they are, <clears throat> like our second doctor is um, right now pursuing um, a doctorate in uh, uh, political media in in the cape town okay in university of cape town our other doctor has been lecturing in 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 the university one of our sons is a is an architect if he comes here you enjoy all this uh, the other our last son is um, is a lawyer so that's how they are i would like to say i think one of the one of the so one of the greatest things i would like to say is that i think we are able to uh, uh, protect our families and to make sure that the things we share with you this day, uh, if God will help us to lay to come up with priorities and uh, just be able to say, okay, I'm committed to my priorities, come on, come on. And it's and one of the things I thought that uh, the spiritual leader of my family, I never I never was mixed up in my priorities. And I, up till today, I, I believe in clear priorities. Up to today. And I feel it's very, very important that we do not get lost. And like I said again, or you don't get mixed up simply because God has allowed. I mean, we're crying for revival, we're crying for a visitation of the Holy Spirit. But it's, it's not so that when He comes, then we neglect or we um, discard our responsibilities. I want to believe with all my heart, uh, family is an institution that pleases God more than anything else. And we need to give our families and our homes first priority. Yeah, it's really good, really helpful points. Um, you said at the start uh, that your uh, prayer lifestyle is really important. I'd just like to be interested to see here what your, your prayer life looks like. Okay. Um, uh, I have had moments for Seeking God. Yeah. 
maybe maybe I can on um, Edwin's prayer um, moments when I found him really praying two prayers that uh, at times when I justified him maybe kneeling down somewhere praying I don't uh, interfere with him is when he is praying the prayer of God helping him to finish his strong. Uh, that time I know it's a it's a, it's a, a prayer that is really serious with God. God help me to finish strong, because we we all know when we have testimonies we have heard how many great men of God have not been able to finish strong. And connecting with that, because he is a man who has got this responsibility of feeling that you are taking these people before God. You will hand them over to God one day. Is when he is praying that, oh God, help the people that I'm serving so that one day as I hand them over to you, I will hand them over victoriously. So those prayers, and maybe another prayer that I've had Edward pray quite so often is um, prayer for wisdom. Because um, in Africa, and I'm sure in every other, of course, every situation, we have different situations will present themselves differently, different challenges every day. So we need wisdom for every day. Honestly, and we need to be praying for wisdom every day because every day has got its own challenges that need a different type of wisdom. So if you say, I am wise and don't need the prayers, you could face a challenge that needs a different kind of wisdom to be applied, and you don't have it. So I have had Edward pray most of the mornings, God give me wisdom. And at times I was wondering, this man who is praying for wisdom almost, what's not happening? And it's because <laughs> every day has got its own challenges that means a different type of wisdom. Yes. <laughs> Toby? One more question. Okay, good.
Mm-hmm. So we we want we have reached a point where we believe that uh, every challenge that comes our way, we see the opportunity, and we are just feeling. Uh, and I think that is the reason why we have not reached a point where we are fatigued as a, as a couple, uh, as teams. We, we are willing to go even when it becomes very rough, because we are saying to ourselves, now that God has allowed this drought, God has allowed this political crisis, now that God has allowed this um, uh, you know, pandemic or whatever, how can it become an opportunity of presenting the gospel? And I tell you, we have seen thousands born again because of just responding uh, to a crisis. Yeah, in fact, uh, to sum up that, we normally, that is a statement that was made by Mahatma Gandhi many, many years back. He says, not even God would go to a hungry man except in the form of bread. And that statement has really been pushing us quite a lot because when we talk of good news, like Edward has said, you go to these people, talk about God and they wonder, give them bread, and that bread to them is the good news that you are talking about. And so they want to know about this Jesus you are talking. This God who has come to us in the form of bread is the God we want. And so from there, the preaching of the gospel starts. Maybe, Toby, there was another hand that was up. Please, let's hear that question. Just one. Because two hands were up. Yeah, please. Two hands were up. Toby, let's finish with that. But no, no other hand up. No other hand. <laughs> so much.